0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas, powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network.
0: I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Breakfast Grill. Last week, Malaysians were caught in an information vacuum after two broadsheets reported that convicted former Prime Minister Dato Sri Najib Razak will be granted a full pardon. Although those articles were subsequently removed, Malaysians questioned this as it has been less than two years since the federal court upheld his 12-year sentence and 210 million ringgit fine. Today, we review the Pardon Board's decision to trim his jail sentence and fine with the same panel that discussed his conviction back in August 2022 and of course the wider ramifications of it. P. Gunasegaran, author of 1MDB, The Scandal That Brought Down the Government and Go Chia Yi, criminal lawyer joins us. Good morning gentlemen and we are going to do things Hi. slightly different. We are going to allow each other to ask questions. It's not just me, you know, putting y'all in the hot seat. But once again, thanks for joining us and with such short notice. So gentlemen, the, the actions of the Pardon Board surprise you. Gunar, can Let me start with you, please.
1: I think I was uh, uh, I was shocked. Uh, The mainly because there are so many uh, implications to this whole thing. The for one, uh, there are so many other charges which are pending against uh, Najib. On top of that, uh, there was actually no remorse, uh, expressed whatsoever. There was no repentance, and. It's not even clear whether it was Najib who asked for the pardon. Mm -hmm. So it seems to be coming from Amno and Amno youth in particular, who have been uh, demanding uh, this pardon. And uh, on top of that, um, I think there are a long list of people who are waiting to be pardoned, and it looks like this whole thing was fast-tracked. And uh, why is that when he has not even served one-third of his sentence? By convention, and uh, some people have uh, mentioned this, you have to serve one third of the sentence even before the pardon is considered.
0: Yeah, I think these are the views of uh, Tommy Thomas, right, our former AG. But Chai, <laughs> let's uh, bring you into this conversation. Like Guna says, uh, Najib only served 17 months of his sentence, never shown any remorse, maintains his innocence. But to be fair, he's not the only politician to have been pardoned. So was this surprising from a legal perspective?
2: From a legal perspective, um, I don't think it's surprising because it's something that's definitely possible. But beyond the legal perspective, I think there are definitely questions which Mr. Gunnar has raised also regarding the fact that not one-third of the sentence was even served. Because, you know, I have experience dealing with people who have waited maybe even close to like six, seven years waiting for a pardon. And these people, like, I do believe, may have a better case for a pardon. There are people in prison, maybe even foreigners that were co- was convicted at a young age. They learned, they learned Malay from scratch, you know, they could spoke, mm. speak fluently in Malay. They could do architectural drawings that they learn in prison. I think these people have proven themselves to be deserving of a pardon, but... I think the main question is why was it um, why why was there such a speed when it came to the pardon in relation to the former prime minister?
0: Okay, and uh, we do need to clarify, Yu, Does the statement from the pardon's board that we all read on Friday evening does it clarify issues or actually raises more questions? What stands out for you?
2: I think in attempting to clarify certain issues, they raise more questions that we need to have more further clarification on. I think one of the questions is um, the reduction of sentence. Is it for the twelve years only? what about the 10 years that, that was given for the three charges under 409 and the three charges under AMLA? What happened to, to those sentences? Mm. Was it a reprieval? Was it a reduction? Was it a commutation? Was it a pardon? I think it wasn't very clear. And and when you say 50% and we know that the fine is 210 million, I think there needs to be some explanation. You know, it's now only
0: 50 million,
2: right? 50 million. So I I find that surprising because that seems to be you know, a quarter of, of the fine that he was supposed to be paid. So has he paid some, you know, has has that a has that reduction from that? I think that uh, the parliament Board needs to clarify on it, especially in relation to the release date that has been mentioned in the statement that's, that's given as well. And
0: the mm-hmm. other thing that's, I think, at the back of my mind also is that the statement is that if he doesn't pay, he then gets to serve another year in jail. So let's say he doesn't pay at all. Does it mean that the fine is eventually completely waived? How does the system work?
2: Well, usually if uh, they don't pay the fine, it will be counted into the sentence. So there is no uh, specific time period that they have to pay the fine. If they don't pay it before the completion of their current imprisonment sentence, then there will be add-on of a one-year. If in the middle of the one-year he does pay the fine, then he'll be released.
0: And when do we know he actually comes out of jail, right? I think that's well, the thing the, at, our, at the back of our minds yeah. too. The, the
1: pardons board uh, mentioned the particular date, which was uh, in August 2028. But that again raises other questions. You know, uh, what happens to parole, you know, mm. if it is given? So, uh, will the reduced sentence be, be also uh, valid for parole? You know, will it be eligible for parole? So, that's not a question which is answered, but the legal opinion is that you can get a one-third remission for good behavior on the reduced sentence as well, which means he could be out. By August 2026, and that's been widely reported now. So these kind of issues have not been settled. And okay. if he comes out in August 2026, and if he receives a full pardon in the meantime, and assuming that all his other charges are dropped, then he can actually take part in elections in the next elections in uh, 2027, 20, 28
0: uh. Okay, I was going to come to that in the second half of the breakfast grill. <laughs> you jumped the gum slightly, you, now, but we will come back to that. Uh, but Chahi, Najib has Najib's team has said that they will appeal this and ask for full pardon. I think that's what I've been reading in the press from their side. They're even asking for televised debates on this issue. <laughs> Does he have grounds for this?
2: Well, the funny thing here is although the arguments about the fact that we can't challenge, not fact, maybe it's slightly disputed about the challenge to the prerogative powers of the argon goes both ways. So if we cannot ask for it Mm. to be uh, retracted, they they probably could not ask for a a, a full pardon or a free pardon. Because in fact, the case laws we have are from people who did not get the pardon, wishing to mandate the pardon spot to give them that pardon. So I would say the case law is in fact against them rather than um, in support of whatever they're trying to achieve.
0: And I want to be clear about this, right? What is the um, the, the Pardons Board role? It's not their job to determine a question of guilt or innocence, right? Is, the, is that the point?
2: No, that's the role of the judiciary. The Pardons Board, is, uh, their role is more of a, that of mercy. Mm. So it's, of course, the Agong's prerogative for mercy. So whether well, he feels that you deserve to be uh, forgiven in a way uh, for what you So committed. it
0: doesn't detract one tiny bit from the fact that uh, Datushi Najib has been convicted by the highest court in the land of this crime, this SRC case. I think that's something that we always have to bear in mind, right? I think that's something that we can't take away. But you know, almost immediately our Prime Minister said in an interview with international press, that the decision was made by the Pardons Board, which of course consists of our newly appointed FT Minister, Saleha Mustafa, who then claimed collective responsibility. Are their claims valid? It's like, you know, this has nothing to do with me. What do you think, Guna?
1: So, I, I think the, uh, the it's curious that, uh, that the cabinet reshuffle included a change in the Federal Territories Minister Very, uh, previously, yeah it was the it came under the prime minister's department so it would have been uh, pm anwar who would have been on the uh, pardons board instead of the federal territories minister so but the appointment of the federal territories minister changed that uh, so the the thing is i mean the the, the question to ask is uh, on what basis has the pardons board actually come to its decision and that's not clear at all you mm-hmm. know so as 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 I mentioned just now, uh, Najib has uh, has uh, expressed no remorse or repentance and things like that. And there, are, more importantly, the thing which is unprecedented, I think, uh, is that he has got a number of other charges. Yeah, you know, f- facing him. You know?
0: Yeah. So Guna, can you help us remem- remember what are those charges? Because I think they're all together. Mm. What at least three? We still got the one MDB, four counts of abuse of power. We've got CBT International Petroleum. Then we also had, I think, one MDB audit tampering, but that has, of course, been uh, audit
1: tampering was uh, dismissed. Dismissed, right? Yeah.
0: Um, What happened? So there are
1: twenty five charges involving two point three billion. This is this is in relation to the funds that came into his account, and then six criminal breach of trust cases involving six point six billion. This is the one that involves uh, a complicated uh, guarantee by the International Petroleum Investment Corporation of Abu Dhabi.
0: Yeah, these and are CBT charges, yeah. right?
1: So, and then the money laundering involving 27 billion. These are all very serious charges. And uh, many in the legal fraternity, uh, including former AG Tommy Thomas, thinks that he will be convicted on these charges. So, what uh, uh, in this case, the pardon is rather premature.
0: Yeah, which uh, Yi, then what impact will this pardon board's decision have on his other cases? Is there even the possibility that the Attorney-General will redraw these charges in the first place?
2: Yeah, just just to add on a quick one to what uh, Mr Gunnar said also. The Attorney-General is supposed to give a written opinion to the Pardon's board. So actually, the written opinion of the Attorney-General should be considered as well. What this written opinion is, we aren't so sure. Mm. So the Attorney-General is actually a very key figure here. Okay, when we look at the case, uh, Zahid's case, when defence was called, at the tail end of defence, suddenly there was a decision to withdraw the case. This decision can only come from the prosecution, from the AG themselves. So the basis for that withdrawal was because they're planning to start a Royal Commission inquiry into Tommy Thomas and his role. So I think that uh, that basis could be used uh, to perhaps withdraw the cases against Najib to say that it's sort of a wrongful prosecution. So they would be saying that we're, we're not intending to uh, not continue with the prosecution, mm. but for the meantime, because of the representations that were sent by the council, we need time to consider. So precedent has been set for that. And I think the reaction of the people in terms to, to that news uh, will be used to gauge whether or not perhaps that decision is something that will come to fruition in relation to uh, the former Prime Minister.
0: But you know, at the end of the day, when you look at this pardon spot decision, do you think you will have any perception on the rule of law in Malaysia? In the sense that, you know, they, they, the sense is that there's one set of laws for us and then another set of laws for the political elite. What do you think, Gunnar?
1: Uh, certainly, certainly there would be. You know, here you have a person who is uh, responsible for the theft of billions of ringgit mm. from 1MDB, you know, directly, indirectly, in complicit or whatever it is. But he is responsible and he's not expecting any remorse or repentance, and so he is being uh, given a remission of his sentence. Uh, so the 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 question is why is this happening? You know? And then one has to look at uh, as you mentioned, uh, Deputy PM's uh, uh, sorry, a, a, yeah, discharge not amounting to equali- uh, to acquittal of forty seven charges. And the current uh, AG is on record as having said he does not have to give any reasons whatsoever for the withdrawal of charges. So the question on everyone's minds is, again, whether the charges, the remaining charges against Najib will be withdrawn. uh, So if it is withdrawn, then it uh, paves the way for his full return to politics.
0: Yeah. Chai, do you have a view on this? I mean, do you you get the sense that Malaysians will be unhappy or at least some factions of Malaysians will be unhappy in terms of how the law is dispensed?
2: Definitely, because the rule of law, uh, one of the key tenets of it is that no man is above the law, you know, unless your father was a former prime minister, (laughs) you yourself, you know. And and being a former MP from the state in which the the king has granted pardon for you is a question that I think that uh, also has to be raised. And I think that um, previously there were, there were case laws suggest that the prerogative of the, the, the king in, in terms of granting the pardon is something that, that cannot be challenged. But we have seen in the UK a departure from this. Mm. Okay, some of the, the key case laws that we have in Malaysia was made at the time period where the other jurisdictions were also deciding along with that. But I think that perhaps the question that needs to be raised now is, is there, um, is there a time for a shift in terms of that thinking? Because it seems that there there are clear loopholes here in terms of um, holding a person accountable.
0: On the Breakfast Grill this morning is our panel consisting of P. Gunasigara, author of 1MDB, the scandal that brought down a government, and Go Chia Yi, criminal lawyer. After the break, the political and economic ramifications of the partial pardon of Datut Sri Najib Rasa, BFM 89.9.
1: You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network.
0: BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the breakfast grill. Where in the hot seats this morning are uh, P. Gunasegaran, author of 1MDB, the scandal that brought down a government, and Go Chai, criminal lawyer. Before the break, should there have been greater transparency as to the rationale for the partial pardon of Datot Sri Najib Raza? And Chayee, you highlighted that, that the AG's written opinion should be revealed. There is no precedent for that. Is that the case? Because that's in one way how we know what was the rationale behind the Pardon Board's decision, isn't it?
2: To my knowledge, there hasn't been precedent of the AG um, informing the public as to the exact reasons for the release and for the Pardon Board informing what the reasons or the grounds for the pardon being granted. But I do think that if uh, we could test the waters in the sense that it could be legal uh, precedents that needs to be set whether we could demand the AG to provide a copy of that written opinion to the public because it is of public interest. So we'd like to know what position the AG took in the in the pardons board. Although there's nothing in the law uh, specifically that compels the AG to do so, what we could mm. do is maybe write a letter or write something requesting. I mean, if the AG refuses to do so, then we could commence judicial review proceedings or whatnot to see whether there is a, a ability to the court to compel the AG to provide such uh, reasoning to the public,
0: because I suppose we could argue that this is of great public interest, isn't it, Google? It, it is, of course, and you know, the uh, the uh,
1: this uh, impacts on our stand against corruption itself. You know? yeah. If you have a, a very corrupt prime minister who is given a pardon, what kind of a signal does it send to everybody else? You know?
0: Which is exactly the next question I have. So does our current Prime Minister, Datu Sri Anwar Ibrahim, lose his reformacy credentials with this? And of course, he he really uh, got to power on this anti-corruption platform that he entered office on. Is, is it gone, Guna?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly as far as uh, corruption is concerned, it seems to be all gone. Mm-hmm. So unless uh, he redeems himself in the next uh, four years, uh, he's got four years to do it. But uh, how, how do you redeem yourself from a situation like this? If you carry the conspira- conspiracy theory right through, the o- the overall plan seems to be to get Najib back into the political arena in the, to me, the fallacious belief that He commands a lot of Malay support. And if you go back and you look at the numbers, it shows that he does not. Remember in 2018, uh, AMNO had only 54 seats. Mm. It was its lowest amount at that time. There was a more than 30% uh, drop. And then in 2018, they only had 26 seats, almost a halving of those number of seats. And this was uh, in 2022, uh, AMNO was all about uh, pardon for Najib. So I don't see any kind of public support or even Malay support yeah. for pardon for for Najib as a result of these
0: figures. And this is the figures speak for themselves. The recent state elections, they didn't have a very good showing. But Chai, you have something to say?
2: Yeah, I, I do believe that if the current Prime Minister would like to restate his commitment uh, in the fight against corruption, what they could do as a government is because under Article 42, it states that the power of the Agong under that particular article is subject to federal law in really Article 40. Mm. So if Anwar Ibrahim believes that in the future there may be an instance where pardon may be granted for, let's say, other convictions of these politicians, what his government can do is to push a legislation forward on a federal level to, to amend this or to, to limit uh, whatever powers that, that, that is, is causing this to happen. Because mm. if he is in support of the judiciary, three courts have already looked into the matter and they decided that the sentence is proper, then his government in the recommitment towards the fight against corruption should be pushing for this.
0: Yeah. And uh, Guna, talking about the political part of this also, how do you think this will sit with other coalition parties like DAP and Amana? In particular, they are loyal, loyal supporters. Do you think there'll be a price Mm. to be paid at GE16?
1: I certainly think uh, there will be a price to be paid in GE16. I think uh, there is a... very palpable quietness on the uh, on the Harapan front mm. except for those who are not in government making some statements about this Ram Karapal and Tony Pua for instance from DAP and uh, Hassan from uh, from, from, P- from PKR yeah so but the uh, the the thing is I mean who will be the beneficiary at the end of the day from all of this I think uh, if, if given the status quo currently, it will be pass of course, who has uh, seen a huge swing of words, uh, t- towards them in the 2022 elections. So in the absence of uh, any kind of, uh, of ideology within the Par- uh, Harapan-led unity government, uh, what choice do others have you know, to to vote for? You know? So the main beneficiary from this will be PAS.
0: Okay, but then some would say AMNO benefits, right? Because, it, like you highlighted, it's at its lowest points in terms of politics. Is, is Dr Sri Najib going to be that white knight to rescue AMNO?
1: But uh, how could he be? Because he doesn't have support among the Malays, as the figures in the last two elections have shown. You know, AMNO's yeah. numbers have just continued to decline. So the Malays uh, don't seem to be supporting. So, for me, uh, this whole thing seems to be born out of desperation. Eh? So, uh, the, the unity government is desperate to get some form of Malay support and they're doing the wrong things in the process.
0: Cherry, how soon can Dr. Shri Najib run for office again? What does the law tell us?
2: Five years after his release from custody... Custody. Yeah, once we know the date of his release from custody, then you just count five years from that. So
0: if it's August 2026, it could be as soon as 2031. Or if it's August 2028, then it's another five years, as soon as that. Unless he gets a full pardon, right?
2: uh, Unless he gets a full pardon, (laughs) which we have precedent for, unfortunately.
0: Okay, uh, Guna, I want to ask you about the ramifications to Malaysia Inc. Now, they've rolled out, the government, Madani government, rolled out many economic reforms. But they are—are are they all meaningless when we allow for leniency for the crime of one NDB, which has been described by the U.S. Attorney General as kleptocracy as it's worst? Do you think it will deter foreign direct investment? I, I think
1: uh, it will definitely deter overall uh, confidence in uh, in in Malaysia itself as a, as a as a country for uh, foreign investments and so on, and. Uh, so, this erosion of confidence will reflect itself in a number of things, you know, mm. not just uh, a decline in FDI. It uh, it also will have an
0: effect of the
1: uh, uh, value of
0: the currency. Well, we did see the Singapore dollar drop to its lowest on Friday, although I have noticed on Bloomberg mm. that uh, we have actually appreciated, Ringgit has appreciated against many currencies, I think, miraculously. I see
1: Okay, so so uh, those kind of things, and I think the 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 major thing is if uh, Malaysians themselves start losing confidence in the country, mm-hmm. that will also be reflected in an increasing number of capital outflows. You know? So that is something which will be very difficult to live with for Malaysia if that happens. So I think uh, the, the 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 important thing is to sort of like uh, regain. Uh, some sort of confidence in uh, in, in uh, this kind of a situation, and show that we as a country are committed to uh, to the rule of law you know, and uh, processes. How do you achieve th- that, though?
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we we take two steps forward, and then we appear to take one big step back.
1: Well, make sure that the other cases go on. You know? Make sure that they are tried. You know, and uh, surely if uh, Najib is found guilty, say on the other three charges, you're not going to give him a pardon again on all of those or initiate uh, pardon processes for him, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Chai is, is there any legal precedent for this in terms of like how the cases will pr- proceed if you got one set of pardon and then cases continue? I mean, do you get... I mean, they will get proceed. the jail out of card uh, jail out of <laughs> card jail out jail of jail, card. card early.
2: No, no, no. I mean, uh, the judiciary should not be mindful to what the pardons process is. In any event, uh, the conviction still remains, so it, uh, it's likely not to be prejudiced by the fact that it remains. But I think the judiciary will proceed with the process. But the, the big question mark here is in relation to the prosecution and, mm. and how that is being conducted. And I think that that is um, we don't we know the role of the AG is not separate from that of the public prosecutor and the AGX is in close proximity to certain quarters. So I think that's the question mark we need to raise. If you want to have further recommitment, as as I said, reform the laws. Where we had uh, party hopping, they had party hopping laws. Yes. So why don't expedite the process of separation of the Attorney General and the Public Prosecutor? Do it. Recommit. This is how you address public response. Say what you're going to do about it.
0: Okay. Are there any other laws that you think we should consider? Maybe making the pardons process more transparent. Some people argue that... Mm.
2: Well, I I think that we need to be clear on subjecting um, the process specifically to the advice of the Patents' Board Mm -hmm. and the written opinion of the AG so that uh, it's clear that it's not solely the absolute prerogative of of the Agong. I think there's something that can be Mm -hmm. done based on what I see in the federal constitution. And I think this can be done by federal law. So if the government is is intending to push that, that that would be a Mm -hmm. good response to the matter.
1: So I think you should go beyond just separation of uh, the AG's role as advisor and at the same time, public prosecutor. Uh, The the public prosecutor's role should be made independent and maybe uh, reporting to a parliamentary select committee. Right now, effectively, it is the PM who employs the public prosecutor, the Nato who appoints the public prosecutor, and all the heads of the other enforcement agencies. MACC included, right? Yes, MACC included. So that those should be independent uh, roles and you should be given security of tenure so that... uh, they cannot be removed easily unless there is major misconductor.
0: Yeah, and I think this is important, especially since the current government has more than two thirds majority can push all these through. Yeah.
1: So if they do these things, then you will help regain confidence.
0: On that note, thank you for your time. On the breakfast grill this morning was P. Gunasigaran, author of One MDP, the scandal that brought out our government, and Go Chia-Yi criminal lawyer. I'm Wong Shaoning, BFM 89.9.
1: The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network.